that's what it got stressful to a point because people are using them and they get physically dependent on them. And that's, you know, people fucking call you 20 times. Like it gets, it gets hectic. That's why I, that's why I started giving them to somebody else to sell to the users because I was sick of dealing with them because I know how I act. If I'm willing to do that, like I've had, I mean, I've gotten robbed. I've had a lot of shit done to me too. So, um, I couldn't risk carrying a gun with these, all these pill bottles. And, you know, who cares if the dude would do $2,000 worth of drugs? Like, I was giving him $100,000 street value worth of drugs. Hello, and welcome to Here in LA, Northridge Edition. Today, we talk with Scott of Northridge. As you know, I drive Uber and Lyft in the daytime to support this podcast. Then at night, Jordan and I get it all together. Occasionally, I'll drive somebody who will tell me a great story, and then I'll invite them to be a guest. Very rarely does it happen. It's happened, I think, four or five times? Just a a very small amount. Well, Scott told me about his run-ins with the law, doing time in a federal prison, how his dogs basically saved his life because they helped him become selfless, and all of his experiences with drugs. We did this interview at Scott's home in Northridge, and his dogs were lovable. His house was super clean and organized, and as you will hear, Scott took on every question and answered without hesitation. The next time someone tells me about their struggles with opioids, especially uh, oxycodone, I will think about this episode with Scott, and I'll pray for them. So let's do it. Hey, everybody. I am here in Northridge with Scott. Hey, everyone. Hey. Now, Scott is one of the few uh, passengers that I've had on Uber who have really wanted to get on this podcast. So, Scott, thank you for inviting me to your beautiful home. Thank you for asking me to be on it. Uh, Okay, Scott, I'm looking around your your house. You have a house in Northridge, and I would say this is your typical Northridge suburban neighborhood. Definitely. and uh, you got a backyard, you got beautiful dogs that we'll be talking about. Uh, it's a real ranch-style house. Yep, yep. I mean, it, it's a cool little area because one street, you go, you're Blake Balboa, one street, you're Van Nuys, you know, so it's kind of... I tell people I live in Van Nuys just because they think Northridge, they think like 15 minutes out further. So mm-hmm. most people, I just tell them I live in Van Nuys because they most definitely haven't heard of Lake Balboa. Unless they lived in the valley. Don't you have a lot of friends who live in the valley? Most of my friends do, but they either grew up in the valley or they don't know. So, mm-hmm. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in uh, Orange County and uh, L.A., uh, Huntington Beach, Santa Ana area, and then uh, West L.A. area, mm-hmm. back and forth. What brought you to Northridge? Um, I had a house. or I'm not. I had an apartment um, across from the Hollywood Bowl and... Uh, I was working at a dog rescue, and uh, I couldn't have more than two dogs in an apartment, so I needed a house. And back at the time, the house was only two hundred dollars more than my apartment. So this house is only two hundred. Yep, that's a great deal to have a whole house. Hell yeah! And you have this place beautifully decorated. I see dozens of, of plants of all sorts, lots of cool artwork that um, I'll have pictures on our website at hereinla.com. Uh, I see. I see a blow up of one of your dogs. Yep. In fact, in our in our drive, you showed me your littlest dog. 
Yeah, Lucy. She's a chug, a chihuahua pug mix. <laughs> most, <laughs> most people haven't even heard that word. A chihuahua and a pug. Correct. Is a chug. Yep. I love it. <laughs> okay, so on our ride, you were also telling me um, a little bit about the the ups and downs that you've had with the law. Correct. <laughs> with myself, more more or less, you know, was those were all created at, because of you know me dealing with myself. How? What was your first? Uh, what was your first run in with the law? Um, like serious one. Um, wow. So long story short, uh, Camp Pendleton, San Diego area, there's a military base. Um, I was, uh, high on cocaine with my friend and we wanted to get a coffee from Denny's, which is across the street from Camp Pendleton. Um, I took the wrong way turn onto a entrance, uh, to Camp Pendleton. Um, they forced me onto the base. Um, and I had quite a bit of cocaine on me for personal use, but, you know, they chopped it up and said I was trying to smuggle drugs in, and I was 17 when I got uh, arrested, but when I faced charges, I was 18, so... How, how much coke are we talking? Uh, seven grams, about around there. Seven grams, that's yeah. it? Yeah. That doesn't seem like a lot to I know. me. I know, And so they, they chopped that up and said you were trying to, what, sell... By sell the gram? I mean, they just sell it to one person, just selling it in general. For for people out there who don't know, how much would seven grams of cocaine sell for? Um, cocaine is usually nowadays like eighty dollars a gram. So uh, an eight ball is three point five grams. So roughly two fifty to three hundred dollars, and depending on the quality. So so this these are this is two eight eight balls is what you're saying. Yes, correct. Okay, uh, but you're you're a juvenile when you were arrested. What happened? Um, well, I went to adult jail in, in uh, San Diego County and when I was 17, um, and they just came up with some outrageous charges, uh, you know, drug trafficking on federal property. Uh, you know, luckily it was my first offense and I was technically 17 when I committed it. So it took a lawyer and, um, you know, a lot of time, but I eventually, you know, just got it uh, you know, down to a possession charge. So, but it took two years and a lot of stress because driving from, you know, uh, LA to San Diego three times a week going to court. And some days they'll just look at a piece of paper and, you know, say, we'll come back tomorrow adjourned, you know? So, so, so for this charge, did you ever do any jail time? Um, just when, uh, between the arrest and the time that I, uh, pleaded to my charges. So it was probably three months. Three months, what jail were you in for that time? Um, I can't remember the name of it what, in San Diego ca- County. It was, it was just a county jail? Yeah, just a county jail. Uh, do you have roommates? Vista County. Vista. Great. Vista Detention Center. I don't know anything about the prison system. What was that like? Uh, for my first time in, it was uh, eye-opening, that's for sure. Um, I was just unaware of the racial politics that goes on in there and, you know, Still didn't know myself at that time and um, was terrified. Rachel, in that white dudes have to stay with white dudes. All races segregate for their own safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you get you don't you can't fight another race one on one. If it's that serious, you either stab him or you, you know it's not not enough. Did you have a weapon on you at the time? No, no. Uh, this is my first time. I 
was terrified. So I, if a black guy comes to you and wants to fight you, he wouldn't. Be, I mean, he wouldn't come up to me. It, that's how serious it is. Like because you're surrounded by other white dudes. It's just uh, you don't in, you know, intermix racials. You don't even say hello. I mean that sometimes depending on you know that center may get you disciplined by your own race though. They'll beat your ass for yeah. talking to him. Yeah, it's not. There's not. Uh, fights between races, really. In California, you know, it's just such a... It's. I mean, it's hard to explain. It's just they do it for everybody's safety because mm-hmm. if people were... Uh, if you could go against another race, uh, it would just be war all the time, and it's sometimes already war. So, you know, they made a system to where you get disciplined by your own race. And if it's not serious enough, serious enough to stab him, then you got to just eat it and you know, move on. Did you see other uh, inmates get stabbed by people? Um, I saw a lot of things, yeah. Uh, rape. Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, rape, uh, you know, punks, which, I mean, they're what's called like a girlfriend, but it's like a, a servant, basically. One guy, um, you know, usually it's with uh, somebody that is open about their sexuality and kind of pretends to act like a woman and sometimes it's just a dude with a dude and you know they'll deny it to everybody but you know they're they're fucking in their cells it's usually cellmates too did, did were you ever uh, approached in this way um no but uh great i i um had to pay to not be oh yeah how much did you have to pay um i really don't know honestly uh I basically got approached one day and said, if you're not going to do this, you know, we know where your parents live. And, you know, he had a piece of paper, with my mom's name, my dad's name, where they lived. Um, and he said, if, if I don't, uh, at the, at first I remember it was $50 a week and it was on JPay. And, you know, if you don't put money on my books, we called, they called my parents and said, you know, we're going to fuck up your son, blah, 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 blah. Wow. My parents were terrified and I was kind of unaware at that time what was going on behind my back because I didn't really uh, have phone privileges at that time. And, you know, there was not cell phones like there is now. So my parents really didn't know I could write them, but that would take, you know, a week or something. So in in between that week, um, they had stopped. And I was wondering why I was kind of terrified thinking that something was going to happen. It was because my parents were paying them, extorting them. And it was white people. Yeah, I mean, you're they 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 segregate races, but you know what their ideals are are not uh, what takes place uh, in the situations. So that's what kind of opened my eyes. Like I'm, you know, honestly, I I I don't like whites the most, if anything. Really? So, yeah, I mean, because of this experience. Because of this experience, the stereotypes. Um, you know, there is white privilege. I don't care what anybody says. I've you know, and I've kind of ruined mine, you know, looking like I look, having a shaved head, uh, my record, I've kind of ruined that. And, you know, it's not my fault that there is, I didn't create it, but there definitely is in the judicial system a, a white, uh, you know, kind of advantage. Uh, for people who aren't going to be seeing your image on our website, you've got tattoos head to toe. You're wearing, you kind of look like Travis Barker a little bit, uh, the drummer of a Blink. I is that okay? Definitely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> people have told me I look like a lot of people, but, uh, you know, yeah, my whole body's pretty much tattooed. Um, uh, Do you I, have I, a favorite tattoo? Um, 
it's hard because I've at different times I've had favorite ones. Yeah. Uh, this small one, which means dad in Japanese, uh, that I that I got probably means the most because he's he's passed. So, oh. you know, but different times it was graffiti on the back of my leg or, you know, anything I would get new would be my favorite. This, you know, this at one point was a girl, cholo girl with kind of geisha makeup. So I haven't gotten a tattoo in shit almost 10 years. Really? Yeah. All this stuff was done a long time ago. Yeah. It, it looks great. Thank you. So you get out of jail at 18. What, what, uh, and, and this seems like a very traumatic couple months that you were in that jail. Uh, compared to other times, it was just the first time that I had been in a real jail. I mean, I'd been to juvenile hall, but, um, and then being, you know, a scared, uh, I'm not a gang member. Uh, I've never been in a gang. Um, I like, the, I like watching gang documentaries and know a lot about them, but I'm not a gang member. Um, so it was cool until it wasn't, you know, right. And just, uh, realizing kind of how it's a system you know they 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 do it and it definitely was an eye-opener just because i didn't had nothing like that experience before but i've had way way worse times and tell me one of them uh wow well this is the worst times hour with scott (laughs) of northridge I'd probably say the worst time was uh you know watching somebody get stabbed in the neck with a, a piece of a fence, you know, straightened fence and blood squirting out. Where did this happen? Um, in prison. Oh, in Yeah. This is a different time. Yeah. This was years later. W- why were you in prison this time? Um, I had uh, gotten caught for um, a string of um, armed robberies. Uh, oh. He, he puts armed in uh, quotes. Because um, I didn't know at the time if you write a note and you say you have a gun, they're going to charge you for a gun. So, okay, so what did the note say? Um, I have a gun. Uh, give me all your oxy- oxycodone. I know where it is. I know how many bottles you have. Be calm, and everything will be fine. And you had no weapon on you at the time? Nope. Did you ever have a weapon nope. when you robbed in these nope. places? I didn't, I didn't need it because I knew them. Um, I, I was very familiar with all the pharmacies that I, that I robbed. Uh, in in our ride, you told me that you robbed uh, uh, only mom and pop shops yes. uh, in OC. All mom and pop shops that were all uh, Vietnamese doctors. That um, the pharmacy was owned by the doctor writing the prescription, and he would not fill them unless you went there. And any pharmacy that looks at the amount of controlled substance I was I was getting, they're at least going to call and double check. Hey, is this correct? So, you know, he would say no, you know, so he forced you to go to his pharmacy with his pills, pay cash. There's no, no, uh, insurance. So he basically stapled his card to your prescription. Mm. So you were, you were addicted to Oxy. Um, yeah, after, after all, it's not what I kind of first started getting addicted to. Vicodin, hydrocodone was the first thing I started taking. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm just trying to figure out the steps that, that led you to this situation. So at some point you ended up with this, this Vietnamese doctor in, in OC. 
Doctors. I had 30 I was going to at one point. 30 doctors. Yeah. And they were all just totally yep. cool with yep. just talking to you for a few minutes and then writing your prescription. They would literally um, uh, photocopy uh, a copy of somebody's, you know, uh, x-rays and just add it to your thing. You know, like it looks like you have an injury. Oh. But in the doctor's office, there was 30 people that looked fine. They were dope sick, you know, sniffling, and but nobody needed pain medication. So, so that's why most people get prescribed oxycodone is they have a broken arm or something like that. Uh, that's not. I mean, uh, broken arm. You probably get uh, hydrocodone, Vicodin, or Percocet. Like, uh, if you were to get oxycodone, you have a very serious long term injury because mm-hmm. it's such a, you know, stimu. Um, what's it called? Stigma. Um, the doctors don't like writing it. So, mm-hmm. if you needed something long term, that would you know, possibly be it, but doctors don't favor that anymore because of just the stigma of it. So that's why they're, that's why they're Xeroxing other people's x-rays and putting it in your file. Yeah. And that way there's a paper trail that says, this is why we gave this guy a In bottle. case. Yeah. I mean, most, most of the time, nobody would even ever look. So it just. So, so your, your first, let's say your, your, one of your, your earlier bottles of Oxy, how many pills are in there? Um, just depending on how you get, how many you get prescribed. Um, the first doctor I was going to, I didn't get oxy from, I was getting Vicodin, but, um, 90 is usually 60 to 90 is usually kind of the range, you know, that's two or three a day. Um, so, so people are being prescribed two or three or were being prescribed two or three oxycodones a day. And how much does that bottle cost? Um, I mean, depending on the milligram, um, and depending on if you have insurance or not, uh, it really, really depends. So it's, it's how, a, how much, it, how much were they charging you? Um, well, if you say, if you didn't have prescription and you wanted a bottle of a hundred, um, 80 milligram back in the day, it was uh, about $600, $600 yeah. cash yep. for a bottle, a bottle of a hundred of them. Yeah. Of a hundred. So six bucks a pill. Pretty much. Six bucks yeah. a pill. The eighty, the eighty milligrams, um, we're going for uh, fourteen. Sometimes even with insurance, fourteen dollars a pill. Mm-hmm. Because they're you only had to take one a day instead right. of you getting four a day. So they kind of utilized that, and oh, we're going to charge more for this pill. And they knew people were reselling them for way more. So they're like, "Fuck it, why don't we take advantage of it?" So if you had a, if you had a, a bottle of a hundred at fourteen bucks a pill. How many of those would you sell? I wouldn't sell them for 14. I got them for 14, but right. I'd sell them for 80. If they were the 80 milligrams, I would sell them for $80. 80 bucks. So a, dollar, a dollar a milligram was usually the standard, uh, you know, when I was... On using, the street. Yeah, it's not not anymore. Like, they don't have anything over 30 milligram uh, uh, Oxycontin anymore. It's uh, Roxycodone, which is... You know, basically oxycodone, but there's nothing stronger than 30 milligrams mm-hmm. so that you can abuse. Right. Oh, what, what's the street price for that pill now? 45 or, you know, 40 so to 45. More. Yeah. So instead of 30, it's 45. Sure. Joe Biden's inflation. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they got no control over over the it's big pharma is telling him what to do pretty much. Probably. Right. So. OK, so so if I'm addicted to those 80s. I've got to buy three of these 30s just to maintain, right? Um, usually, just to not get sick. I mean, you will not feel high. Like, 
you're basically, once you're addicted, physically addicted, you're doing it just to get not sick. Right. And, uh... Okay, so you've got 30 doctors that you were, well, quote-unquote, legitimately paying cash for these bottles of pills. Uh At some point, you decided, I'm going to rob these people. Um, Well, there was a lot um, that went into that. Um, We were talking about how Rush Limbaugh, they changed the... So many people died and so many parents sued. Over time, they switched it to where they put the time release inside of the pill, so there was no way you could abuse it. So that's when uh the kind of the what's it called like a the extra that you have kind of uh you know decreases 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 and then it's all gone so that's when the opioid epidemic came is the, the doctors couldn't write as many as they want they were controlled and also when i was doing it there wasn't like a system a computer system that linked all pharmacies to a controlled substance so i could go to one Walgreens, get one pill, go to another one, get one pill. Um, there's no way you could do that nowadays. It's just, mm-hmm. it's too, uh, there's just too many steps in place. But, but let's, let, let's go backwards then. Um, what, what made you, was it you're just running out of money? Is that why you decided to, to rob these people? Um, uh, the places I knew, um, they weren't legitimate pharmacies, to say the least. You could, after they knew you, you could walk in there without a, without a prescription, and you just said kind of a code word, and they knew, and they charged, for the 80s, they were charging $27 a pill, so oh. a bottle of 100 would be $2,700. So instead of t- 14 they doubled the price. 14 is with insurance. Right. So, so what was your code word? What, my, you said with a code word you could get. Uh, it. Well, they changed it at times, so you had to you'd be known. But it was it was a Vietnamese word that oh. who knows what what it meant. But you know, you said it at the end. You gave them their order. You gave them, most of the time you would give it on a on a piece of paper because it was hard. They didn't speak English really? at all. Not one. Most of the doctors didn't either. Uh, I had people going in there um with my order that i would give them and they knew my handwriting they knew everything and they would literally just give them a piece of paper you'd say okay write write the prescription hand it to them out in three minutes why why were you bringing other people in into this i was making money off of it so you'd you'd find let's pretend you find a guy like me and you say hey here's the piece of paper go to this pharmacy hand him the paper and and what? Here's the. Would you even provide them with the money to buy the the pills? No, I would go in with them. Um, right. I would use people, uh, mostly uh, vets um, that didn't use drugs. We're not tempted to take it or know the street value of how much they already thought that was a fucking ridiculous amount <laughs> as it is. It is. So they were cool with it. Some I gave, uh, you know, $100. Some I gave a fucking huge-ass bottle of wild turkey. You know, it depended on the person, but I rent, go to, and rent a van in the morning and go to, you know, the Long Beach Vet hospital area, and I just had people, and then they told their friend, he's like, hey, I, I can get Charlie to do it too. So I was... You know, I pick up a van full of people, take them to the doctor, you know, go in there, get their prescription, pay for it, drop them all back off, fill it, you know, go back again. When you say vets, you mean uh, military veterans at the VA in, in Long Beach. Yeah. You you basically say, I'll give you a giant bottle of booze 
if you buy these pills for me? Most of them already knew at, at the time because their friend had told them, you know, it's, it, you know, they were making money, they were getting paid and they got alcohol. So, of course, they wanted to, they they're like, you. I got my friend Joe. Yeah, yeah. Until they started knowing how much the pills were reselling for, then they kind of started giving me a hard time and, you know, it just, you know, holding it, you know, I'm going to do this. You don't give me $40, you know, so. Did you just, give the 40 bucks? I mean, eventually, yeah, but most of them just caved. You know, they were they were fronting, and, you know, they're they're old, and, you know, I would kind of just be like, I'm going to fuck you up if you don't do this. I mean, I would never would have, but, right. you know, they were 70-year-old guys, uh, you know, threatening me. And it's not like they, they knew how much they were worth, but I'm like, okay, go sell them to somebody, dude. Like, you can't even, you can barely walk. Like, how, just... So I would give them extra money because I, I felt bad for them, you know, yeah. but when they when they started doing that, they were chopped, you know. Right. Well, they're, they're poor employees. Okay. So how long did that go on for that you were renting vans and driving people around? That probably only about a year. Okay. But it sounds like, There's well, f- how often were you doing it for that Fucking year? five days a week, Monday through Friday. That was your job? Yep. Yep. I, would, uh, I mean, at one point I had, was, it was hundred thousand dollars a day buying pills a day yeah because i would get people's money uh, ahead of time like they wanted to order these were all people that were reselling them they weren't users i mean they probably used but they were dealers so even because you were selling to them at at a buck a gram is what it sounds like right um well if they bought anything over 500 like i would go and get the bottles of 500 uh that that's dispensing that the pharmacy gets to dispense your prescription um Usually, I could go through six of those a day at least, selling to sometimes thousand pills. Yeah, sometimes I break it up and give one dealer a hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, three thousand pills. How much? How much are in this bottle? Um, I get they're usually the 500, 500 pill dispensing bottles that um they give to pharmacies to dispense your prescriptions. It's 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 it's, it's, it's like yeah, a mayonnaise. it's a short little stubby fat thing. Right. So you could sell six of those whoppers every day. Yeah, I mean, and, and you got the money up front from these dealers. Most of them, yeah, and and you were happy with the price you were selling these dealers. Correct, because I was getting them. I was charging double what I got them for, but they were also making double too. So it was right. like a fucking win win. Which is a, a typical wholesale situation. You know, the, the 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 farmer sells them for fifty cents. The grocery store sells them for a buck. And then correct, yeah. The, the people who <laughs> then made the them, restaurant sells it. Yeah, for, people who made them probably cost two cents to make. Right. So they knew what they were doing. So everybody in the chain was happy. Yeah, definitely. But again, at some point, you said that's um, I don't care. The laws changed, and the scarcity of the product started coming, and uh, I knew these pharmacies weren't going to call the cops because they were selling to kids without a prescription. So they're like, what are they going to do? Like, they're not allowed to have that many pills, first of all. You know, they were had fake pharmacies that, you know, get their brother or cousin and, you know, get a pharmacy that with no building and address, and they would order, you know, more and more. Because the doctors were, um, like, if you said, watch Hulu, uh, Dope Sick, and that is a true story. The doctors were getting paid to dispense the medication. So the more they wrote, the more they made. So, uh, you know, these companies gave him a little uh, bonus. Purdue Pharma. Yeah. Purdue is the company that was doing it. There was only one company. So tell me about the first time you robbed one of these places. Um, or one of the first. Yeah. I mean, um, I was really nervous. I was, um, 
dope sick myself. Um, uh, I handed them a note, shaking, and I knew they knew me because I would go in there. But still, I just was banking on the fact that they weren't going to call, you know, because to report what? They're reporting themselves, too, eventually. So they knew me. They thought, and, you know, that's what you did was you gave them a piece of paper. So I gave them paper. She looked at it and kind of started shaking, and she just froze. Froze, and, like, I was sketched and kind of almost wanted to leave, and she turned around to call you know, to her coworker and I just fucked it. And I just jumped over. I knew where they all were because I would go there. And this was back when they didn't have a, uh, you know, a safe that they're putting their control, like a time safe. So you have five minutes, you have to set it and then come back in five minutes for people like me that would go in there and grab all their pills. So you jumped, you jumped to the counter, took the pills, take anything else? Um, no, I mean it was uh, mostly just the the giant dispensing bottles of. You didn't you didn't take the cash in the. In no, the... no, I wasn't worried about it. Hmm. I didn't know most of them. They would protect their cash, so right. they didn't protect their pills. Right. So it the and the pills were worth more than cash. I yeah. mean, dollar to dollar, it was. And that they would might they might report me from, and that was federal. So uh, I didn't know what I was doing was federal anyway. So. Mm. Uh, how many pills do you think you, you, you took that first uh, robbery? Only one bottle of 500. Okay. I was too scared to take anything more. So Yeah. And I don't think that they had anything more than that up right where I knew that they were. I know they had more, but I didn't want to go and look. I just grabbed it and ran out in 30 seconds. And did you feel relieved when you... Oh, no. I mean, maybe five minutes later when I snorted them, uh, but I was pouring sweat. Just, it was... The day after, I mean, I didn't really feel good about it till like a, two weeks after, and I kind of ran out of them, and was like, "Oh fuck, am I gonna have to?" Because I I couldn't get them from anybody. I wasn't buying them on the street. I was the guy that was giving them to the dealers on the street. So if they couldn't get them, I couldn't get them. And there was really nothing that you could buy off the street as strong as that. And the doctors wouldn't. Like, it was a time when they just wouldn't write prescriptions for oxycodone, so. I didn't realize that people snorted these. You can snort them, smoke them, inject them. Not now, uh, mm -hmm. because. That time release thing screws it all up? You can still abuse it. What's now, um, a 30 milligram is the highest they make that can be abused. Um, so, yeah, the, the 80 milligram, I mean, when I first started doing Oxy, there was 160 milligram, which is fucking outrageous nowadays. Right. Like, um, but yeah, we would call them blue coffins because I knew personally three people that died. So we called them blue coffins. And those were only out like a year before they were like, okay, we don't, we don't need those. The 80 milligrams are enough. So even on the street, you guys would probably chop those in half, right? Uh, no. I w eventually, I would snort multiple ones at a time. Wow. Probably two or two to three. What What's the feeling when you snort something like this? Do you feel euphoric? Do you feel happy? Um, yeah, I mean, different people react to um, opioids differently. Some people get energy. Some people get the nodding out. Um, that's usually kind of the end of the high. Like you don't now. Well, now they're doing fentanyl, which you you go in, instantly into that, but it doesn't last long. So, mm. um, yeah, I felt euphoric. I felt confident i felt like i could take on the world 
when I first started doing them. And how long does that uh, feeling uh, stick with you? Um, Until you get physically addicted to them and you start needing a higher dose and running out early and starting to feel sick and kind of knowing, realizing like, whoa, this is a lot more serious than I thought it was. You mentioned fentanyl. That's the drug that everybody's afraid of today. And um, we've had guests on here who have recommended that if you are using any white powdery substances, you should get them tested for fentanyl. Um, Have you gotten high off fentanyl before? Um, Yeah, but um, back when... I mean, fentanyl is not a new drug. It's been around a long time. Um, I was getting prescribed fentanyl patches uh, back in the day, and it's such a serious narcotic that they don't give you pills. You get a lollipop or a patch. Like, that's what, and then you have to be dying for cancer to get one of those. Really? Yeah, it's how strong it is. Well, it sounds like then they probably don't make a whole bunch of these. Not anymore. They, they, don't, they don't. I mean, again, they make the lollipops and the patches. So mm-hmm. there's no... The pills that people see, they're imitating an oxycodone pill. It's not a fentanyl pill. There are people that know they're buying fentanyl, um, but it doesn't come in a pill form. It comes in like a powdery, you know, I mean, depending on... Like Coke? Pretty much, yeah, in that consistency. So when we, when, uh, when we see that the cops are presenting a table full of fentanyl pills... Should we trust that those are really fentanyl pills? Most likely, yeah. So there are fentanyl pills, uh, but they're not—they're not marketed as fentanyl pills. They're marketed as Perk Thirties or Oxy Thirties or Blues. They're not. Oh. No one's buying the fentanyl. If they're buying fentanyl, they're buying fentanyl, and they know they're buying fentanyl. And it's powder that they're buying. Most likely, yeah. Does fentanyl give you the same uh, type of a high as the Oxy would give you? Pretty much, and. Um, yeah. It's hard because I was using real fentanyl. I honestly haven't used street fentanyl before. I may have a couple times when I was buying uh, oxycodone, and but I was buying oxycodone. So mm-hmm. um, I don't trust really buying them on the street. I have, uh, yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't. Nobody no, should trust no. the street, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a sketchy situation that was never. I never had to worry about when uh, you know I was using drugs so it was Mm -hmm. just uh that wasn't anything that we worried about so by the way thank you for being so honest with me about all this um there's a lot of fear about drugs having fentanyl in them and here you are actually taking the fentanyl and you seem healthy you did you ever od did you ever have Uh, multiple times yeah Multiple times, I got off of fentanyl. Yeah, no, no, I, I've never used the I the times that I used fentanyl, I got it in a patch and I uh, cut the patch open, squeezed the gel from the patch on a, a piece of tin foil, and then smoked it. I've never. How, how did you learn how to do that? Because you can smoke uh, oxycodone, and that's how I learned. I've I've done oxycodone in any way, any way possible. Uh, you know, my rectum and like a baby syringe. Really? I've shot it up. Hold a second here. You yeah. put it in your booty. Yeah, it's called bo- it's called boofing it, and it's it's 
you know, a lot more popular than you would think um, because you have more capillaries that receive drugs in your anus than you do mm-hmm. like in your nasal system. So you will get much higher if you booty it. We had a guest on here who was talking about boofing, but but in a comedic way. And you're saying, no, that's the it's best shit. way to get yeah. high. I mean, you know, if you want to, uh, I mean, I got to a point where my nose was so so fucked up I couldn't snort anything and that's why I went to shooting it but I, I, I didn't like I got addicted to the, the process of a needle I would shoot up water sometimes like and I never I didn't like it I just you know there's really nothing better you know you're not any better if you snort it or just, you know I just had a stigma of needles as a kid said I'll never shoot up drugs you know and here I am shooting shit in my neck, you know, because I have a bad vein. So the only neck, our only vein I could feel was, uh, you know, my femoral or my uh, my neck vein. So when you said femoral, you 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 touch your groin. Yeah, I mean that's people right. are people are doing it down there. Fuck, dude, people shoot up in their dick. I mean, any vein you could find, they shoot it between their toes if they don't want people to see track marks. Um, you know, if you want the most effective way, it'll be in your femoral or your neck vein. Is that why some people get a lot of tattoos to, to hide? I doubt it because most people are hiding the track marks right here, which, mm. you know, you could cover those or just wear a long sleeve. But most people don't really know. Once they're healed, most people don't really know. Like, mm. they would think like, oh, what happened? You know, they wouldn't, if you're fucking skinny and falling asleep and, you know, they see that and be like, okay, you're a junkie. Mm-hmm. But somebody that, you know, looks normal and is off of it, they would never notice. Unless you had fresh ones, and even then, you just say you had a rash. This is a question you're only going to get from Tony Pierce. What are your poops like when you are <sighs> in the midst of all of this drug use? So um, you're not really pooping. Um, oh. We call it. We just call it an opioid baby because you you get. Uh, that's one of the main uh, side effects of opioids is uh, uh, being constipated, and oh. you fucking. Like one shit once in fourteen days. Like I again, I was so I was using so much. The normal person, you know, taking a couple orally. Um, if you drink enough water, nothing will happen. But when you are using as many I do, not drinking any water, um, you're not shitting. If you do, it's uh, you know not fun because it's it's a fucking baby. Like we call mm. it, I'll call it an opiate baby because mm. you're shitting out a ball that's. Are you yeah. able to eat regularly when you're on these drugs? Um, most of the time, yeah. Like once you once you kind of start using them and get used to the feeling, yeah. You have. I mean, you have to. So but you've got food in you, but you can't get it out. It's the water. It's the water. Mm-hmm. And the 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 shit that they the fillers that they use inside of a pill is what you know gets you constipated. Oh. So I mean, even you. Uh, even if you're eating, uh, uh, you know, drinking enough water, you're still going to be a little bit constipated. Like, it's just one of the mm-hmm. side effects. Let's, uh, uh, okay, so at some point, you start robbing all these places. You can probably only rob a place once, though, right? <laughs> no, I, I would hit the same places, like, five times. They didn't have security guards or anything like that? Mm, no, because they didn't want to draw attention to them. Most, a couple of them, you didn't even know were a pharmacy. They didn't have any signs. They didn't mm-hmm. have anything. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, okay, so let me, the second time you robbed the same place, are you nervous that no, you're going to wreck not, it? Not the second time because. Uh, it takes it takes five times for you to. This, no, it took one time, most of them, 
for me the next time the second time i went i had a lot more confidence and kind of knew how those it was the same people working you know they may have gotten a camera but you know again what are they gonna call hey he stole our our pills that we have five times the legal amount we're supposed to have plus we sell them to kids we're gonna hand over our video um our video and they might see going through and people coming in and not giving a prescription paying all cash so i they weren't gonna call the cops huh so you felt e- it, it, it it robbing became easier definitely oh yeah i i i would hate, hate to say confident in it but you know i knew i knew these people already because i'd been going in there for a year buying prescriptions every day so they knew me it's not like i was hiding they saw me and they didn't once i stopped coming and buying the pills from them when they saw me they knew they knew this is the time. Let's just yeah. hand it over. And they would, um, a couple times, like, one of the, the ladies got, like, ballsy and said, we don't have any. I'm like, that's <laughs> not true because I sent somebody in here an hour ago with a 250 prescription, and he said he saw you with the big bottle. So you're lying. Where are they? And it was hard because most of them didn't speak English, really. Mm-hmm. If they did, it was minimal. But I recognized the bottle, so I, right. I didn't need them. Yeah. When did you stop robbing? Um, when I... Uh, got arrested. How did that happen? Um, well, I didn't get arrested in the process of doing any of them. Um, I would get so many and I would get uh, other drugs because other prescription drugs had been popular uh, that time. Adderall, uh, lean was kind of popular, but lean is a real drug you can get. Yeah, it- it's promethazine with codeine. This is what Lil Wayne uh, yeah. uh, has his double cups of. Yep. It's like cough syrup, right? It is cough syrup. That's exactly what it is. With codeine in it. Yeah, codeine and promethazine, which is anti-nausea. Codeine sounds- is the weakest uh, in most countries all over the world. You can buy codeine over the counter without a prescription. But not in America? No. The land of the free? <laughs> the land of the incarcerated, <laughs> drug addict, overweight. Okay, so you were, you were robbing. You, you, were, you were getting There's these- only four, four actual places that I robbed. I just did them multiple times. Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't do a, a, a Walgreens or right. None of these, like, yeah. No. Well, those guys have armed guards and still not even to this day. Most of the time, not armed guards. They just have delays and like I was saying, that safe. You like you put in the combination, the safe won't open for five or ten minutes. So it's a time delayed safe. So you can't go in there and rob them. Um, they've put things in place to where you know it. If you do, you're getting the minimal amount of whatever you're getting. You never get as many as I had because these people were buying them for five pharmacies mm-hmm. as one. So mm-hmm. they couldn't even order that many from a, a place. Okay, so uh, you get – somehow they, they have your address and they bust into your house? Is that how it worked? Uh, How'd you get- I, I honestly don't really remember. I think it was uh, the car – no, how I got arrested was I was selling the other stuff other than oxycodone to a guy, um, you know, for a couple months, that stuff I didn't want, stuff I didn't use. I didn't know anybody that used Adderall or that kind of stuff, and um, I didn't know that he was using, or he wasn't at least when I first started, and he was during that time, and he got pulled over and had, you know, fucking 100 pill bottles, uh, mind you, with no people's names on them, no you know, nothing, no info on him. So, um, you know, he, he got pressured and he, he snitched on me. And mm-hmm. what also fucked me up was um, one of the two times before I had given him a bottle of one of my prescriptions that was legal. 
um, but not that pers- not that medication. And I didn't think I scratched out the name. I scratched out the doctor, but there, there was a barcode. And mm. I didn't think that the bar, they could trace the bar. I didn't, just didn't think about it. So yeah. they found that in his car empty with all those other bottles. So that is kind of what led to me. And they put pressure, is this guy this, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I mean, he. And the pressure is, hey, we'll only give you half of the sentence if you tell Nothing. Us. I think he got nothing. He didn't, oh, we'll he didn't let, let you off the he got, DUI, he got a DUI. That's it. If you tell us where you got these. Yeah. So because it was such a big case, once they realized what it was, you know, off the bat, no, you're going to have a, a accessory. I don't know, but he, it took a while for them to put the pieces together to be like, all right, if you, if you, um, you know, be cooperate with us, you know, we'll drop all the charges except DUI. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, so the cops bust in your house. Um, my my parents, yeah, because it's the only address that they had. Holy- your poor parents. Yeah, oh, yeah. I put my parents through hell. Did they knock down your parents' door? Yeah. There's a no no warrant or no knock warrant. Oh, my God. I hadn't been there for years. So then your parents call you and say, what's going on? Uh, kind of, yeah. At that point, uh, I was not doing very well. Um, what I was doing, I was obviously majorly addicted to them and would go through times where you know, I was just out of control and I didn't have a cell phone. And, um, this wasn't, you know, there were periods of time when I just became too big of a mess and to, to, to keep this up because it was a full-time fucking job mm-hmm. and it was a stress and, you know, you, you didn't even have a burner phone. Isn't, isn't that important to, uh, not really because f- phones, they weren't like they are now. They didn't have apps. You know, it was a flip phone back in the day oh. or Crackberry, you know, Blackberry. <laughs> so it wasn't like they're, you know, maybe they could get cell phone data, but they weren't what I wasn't even worried about cameras at that time. Yeah. So, you know, I most of the time, most, most places didn't have a camera. The inside it did, they did, but they would, you know, have to update the videotape in it and mm-hmm. they just didn't care. So your, your parents get, uh, their privacy, uh, whatever. They call you. Do you turn yourself in? How, how do you end up getting arrested? They couldn't call me because I didn't have a phone. I was uh, living in a hotel, um, you know, a mess. I lost. I, I, I was using opiates and benzos together, and just I was a fucking complete mess. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't, have, didn't know where I was. So I had to... I think I was walking down the street to 7-Eleven to get, like, gummy bears and... I fell asleep or passed out or nodded out and somebody called the ambulance the ambulance had drugs in my pockets the ambulance called the police and then I had a warrant and so where was this that you passed out um Anaheim in Orange County mm-hmm. so they pick you up and what happens do, um, do, do you eventually you go to court right yeah, I went to court, but it was uh, different because once they put the pieces together, um, it became federal, and then I was in a county jail, which is state. So um, it took a while to to do it, but I had to go to to the federal building, not the st- st- the state. So it took a while to get transferred into that. But so you were in different holding cells for a while. Pretty much only one in the Anaheim one until the. They became a they became a federal case where then the, they came and picked me up and rearrested me and took me to the federal detention center. And where's that? Um, downtown LA. Oh, men, <clears throat> is that Men Central? No, I mean it's not Twin Towers like that. It's, yeah, it's it. There's it's right there. You, you know, it's called NBC. Um, it's it's a, only a one story place, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I, it I is know. now. It is now. Um, there was they had like another place next door to it that they're not using anymore. And again, I was, I was going through withdrawals. I was still sick. Um, at that time, I was on methadone. Um, they did give you methadone in jail back then. Um, Which is good, right? Yes and no. I mean, it takes the edge off for you, right? Yeah, I mean, if withdrawal, yeah, it helps, but people you know wanting that and it becoming a problem where you have to the other inmates want your stuff yeah it's called cheeking they would drink it and not drink it and spit it into another cup and then sell it to somebody or you know it just became too big of an issue did you do all any of that stuff um i didn't because i was the one that wanted somebody's cheek so (laughs) (laughs) yeah how much would you have to pay for somebody else's um you didn't i mean it's not like you you don't have cash in jail so it's commissary you trade them like two soups or a honey bun or you know something or you put money on their books or buy them a phone cards so there's no a honey not, bun for drugs i mean uh, many honey cut honey buns yeah <laughs> and depending on the drug i mean like a cigarette broken up they break cigarettes into five small cigarettes and those are like some i mean i don't currently know but they were like three dollars wow for one tiny cigarette wow so i mean yeah there's there's drugs and now with iPhones and shit like yeah I mean they have the same shit inside as they do outside okay so was that federal holding cell we'll call it similar to your experience in Oceanside no um, I was uh, detained alone because I was going through withdrawals so I had a medical you know a medical um, hold so I, I never really got put into the the population before I got sentenced, I stayed in that. And I was having seizures too from oh, really? withdrawals from benzos, uh, which is Xanax or Valium. And, uh, so, so this sounds like a better situation for you. You're um, alone. Nobody's fucking with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, federal has definitely got got you know its benefits and its differences in state. It's not so much gang politics. Um, it's more, you know. Uh, I don't know anymore. No, it's it's a little bit easy. I, I think states harder because if you're in California, cause right. it's just so politically gang run that you know the guard the guards have no control over what's going on. Like they literally, you know, talk to the. There's no shot caller. Like shot caller is you know just a front man kind of like to pass the message along from the the bigger people, mm-hmm. and it they got to take the heat. You know, like El Chapo wasn't the you know the drug lord. He was the the fall guy. You know, mm-hmm. the people that are in charge, they don't want to be seen, you know. They're, oh. I mean, it's the same with, with everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So Okay, so at what point uh, do you leave the holding? Do you do hard time for, for yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, I did six years for that. You did six years? I was, I was facing a hundred and something, 65 or some shit for all of them. It took a while for them to realize how many I did. I mean, and still it took... They only were able to 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 charge me with the the ones that they found on this guy. But the, unfortunately, he would throw he would do a bottle or sell them and throw it in the back of his car. So he had multiple times that I had done it, and they could trace it with that barcode. And that's the only thing. He would throw his empties in the back, yeah. trash. Everything he fucking threw, in, everything was a you know a trash can in the back of his car. So the so the lesson for aspiring drug dealers: <laughs> choose your customers wisely. Yeah, don't sell physically uh, addicting drugs. Sell, sell cocaine or meth or something. You don't consider coke uh, addictive? Coke, I mean, it's a it's mentally addictive, but not physically. Hmm. And that's, I mean, if you 
you hear about somebody overdosing from cocaine, it's because uh, the cartels are starting to put little bits of co- uh, little bits of fentanyl inside of non physically addicting drugs to make you need it even more. So if you that's use it, why they're doing yeah, this. they're not doing they're not who the fuck would cut a, a, a downer and with an upper? You know, it's like it it's a you know it kind of contradicts itself. So they're doing it because if you use it enough, you'll have physical withdrawals from it. Mm. And most of the time, it's not even really fentanyl. It's like carfentanil, which is like a China-made derivative of fentanyl. It's like, yeah, they're not. Nobody's really getting fentanyl most of the time. So you were you were originally charged with a hundred years. Uh you said a hundred. Yeah, it was like one hundred sixty something. And they did the outrageous number because they just wanted me to plea. You know, they didn't want to have to go through everything. I mean, they had to go through a lot of shit with a lot of people that weren't going to be very cooperative, to say the least. And these are unreliable witnesses, too. That's what. And they, you know, they don't speak English and they're not going to speak up. But they have proof that I did it because they found they don't have proof necessarily. They're taking this guy's word who's going to testify against me who got found with all the stuff. So, I mean, if I had $2 million and, and, and a, a great lawyer, I probably could have beaten the charge. But, but you only had $1 million and an okay lawyer. <laughs> I had a public defender um, at that time. And, I mean, the, the court system's a plea system. They, they could not handle all the cases. So they, they give you a big offer and then, you know, sounds good what they're, they're getting at you. But it's, it's a plea system, you know. So uh, at some point, the, pub, the your your public defender says, "Can you handle six years?" I mean, the, the original thing was twelve. Okay, he got it. I was like, "No, but if that's the best you can do, yeah." I mean, I didn't, I didn't really have control how, over how much. Old, how old were you at the time that they offered uh, twelve years? 20, 24. 24. So you're like, I'm going to be thirty six. Okay, a lot of times when people see sentencing they cut it in half right away anyways because they say Um, most people don't do all that no most of the time people don't do it uh because they they have so many people that can't house them all right so if you're not causing a problem if you don't have write-ups most of the time you'll get released early and depending on what kind of crime you did if it's a non-violent you know i wouldn't say 50 percent uh you know Probably like 30. I would say it's 30%. Was yours considered nonviolent? No, because they charged me with armed because I had a note, a gun that I had, a, a note that I had a gun, which I didn't have, but they just, for somehow, somehow they got one of those notes. Mm-hmm. You know, they raided the, you know, the pharmacies and I don't know what they fucking kept it. I don't know. You know, I don't know what happened, but they found one so of them. So another lesson, don't leave your notes behind. Yeah, exactly. Don't touch them, Uh, you know. Then don't threaten that you have a weapon because you will get charged with that. I Even see. if you don't, you might as well bring it if you're going to do say that. Don't just don't rob anybody at all. There you go. That's the lesson. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, kids? It's not nothing. Nothing is fucking cool about this. Like, yeah, I made a lot of money and whatever, but but the money disappeared right away, right? Yeah. yeah. Did Did you buy anything cool with the money? Yeah, I mean, I bought a car. I mean, I bought a lot. I bought a lot of shit. Like, uh, what most, kind of car did you buy? Uh, Mercedes. Like uh, mine? Uh, I mean, this was fuck. It was. You you got probably a better one though. You didn't get I a C class. I spent thirty eight thousand on it, and it was like three payments of you know nine thousand cash. I only had cash, so I'd have to find a dealership that 
take just under the minimum and take payments on it, you know? So uh-huh. I didn't go in there and be like, I got 38 grand. How could I account for that? I didn't have a job. So yeah. I didn't want to draw any attention to myself. And, yeah. You know, didn't, not realizing that my mom was uh, using me as a tax write-off and kind of backfired. Why did you choose a Mercedes at 20-something years old? Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, I've always liked Mercedes did growing you? up. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted one, so... Who had one that, that you liked? Nobody. You just you would see them on the street and you yeah, thought they were yeah. cool? I, it was more of the stigma, you know, like, oh, I'm in Mercedes, you know? Yeah. So I was... Me and Lorenzo out in the Benzo. Yeah. I mean, I've had uh, a BMW. I've had pretty much every kind of luxury car, and I still prefer Mercedes. Did you go on any vacations or anything with no, this No, I mean, I was I was so addicted to them, I had to have pills. And you I couldn't was, go on vacation? I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't. And I had such a hustle going. People needed them, like... That's what it got stressful to a point because people are using them and they get physically dependent on them. And that's, you know, people fucking call you 20 times. Like it gets, Mm. it gets hectic. That's why I, that's why I started giving them to somebody else to sell to the users because I was sick of dealing with them because I know how I act. If I'm willing to do that, like I've had, I mean, I've gotten robbed. I've had a lot of shit done to me too. So, Mm. um, I, I couldn't risk carrying a gun with these all these pill bottles and you know who cares if the dude would do two thousand dollars worth of drugs like i was giving him a hundred thousand dollars street value worth of drugs Mm -hmm. so i just really never thought that he would get in trouble you know i just Mm -hmm. didn't process that i don't know why Have you seen uh, Pulp Fiction? Yeah, yeah. I don't quite remember a lot of it, but I definitely... There's a scene where John Travolta has to go to the drug dealer's house because Uma Thurman is overdosing on heroin that she thought was coke. Did anybody ever come to your house because they th- they were overdosing on drugs that... Uh, well, if you're overdosing, there's no way you can walk. Um, at the real overdose, um, she's going through withdrawals. Yeah. Um, an overdose is when you take too many, you, you nod out and your heart stops and you die. Well, that's what happened. She, uh, John Travolta throws her in the oh, car, oh, drives okay. him over. They crash into the d- drug dealer's house and run inside. But getting more drugs when you're overdosing is... is... No, no, no. He, he was like, stop her from dying. Did, did I don't remember that part for some reason, but yeah, if, okay. if she was overdosing, getting more drugs... No, would... no, no. He, he's basically, he, he was like, fix her. She's dying. What do you do? Uh, My question to you is, did anybody ever come to you because of your drugs uh, uh, doing bad things to... Definitely. I've had moms, you know, my mom went to all my doctors, said, my my son fucking has nothing wrong with him. Why are you giving him these meds? Mm. They they were just, she did it to every single one of my doctors. Let's, Let's go back to the money that you had. What was the most amount of money that you ever had on your person at one time? Um, that I wasn't using to... No, just just in your house. If somebody had robbed you, what was the most amount that they could have robbed from you at one point? Probably, I think, uh, like $121,000. Where'd you put that money? Um, in, a, it... in a dresser. Just sitting in a dresser? Most people... Uh, I, I didn't really have a house. I kind of went to hotel room to hotel room kind of purposely just so I didn't couldn't be a target like that and it was weird because it was so infrequently that i would have 
that massive amount because I would give them to the people. I would have only my personal use on me and oh, well, you weren't getting that. You had to kill me to get that. So were you going to any fancy hotels? Nah, hell no. Well, I would think that a seedy hotel wouldn't be safe for you. Uh, that's where I fit in the most. The way I was, I would stand out. I would stand out like I was a fucking wreck on drugs. Like the homeless people you see, like I was kind of like that. You looked homeless. At the end of it, yeah. I mean, I couldn't mm. take care of myself. doesn't matter how much money you have. When you do that much drugs, your, your, your mental doesn't, you know, doesn't work out. You can't shower. Like you can't brush your teeth. Like, really? Yeah. It, it becomes so bad, you're, you can barely get out of bed unless you have drugs, and that's why I'm saying, like, you're doing at the end of it to get unsick, so you can participate in a normal life. It, let's, let's talk real quick about the showering. Does it hurt to shower? No, it's just your body is so sensitive when you're um, addicted to opioids. It's, you get hot and cold sweats, um, you get chills, it's just, um, the water is not your friend, uh, hmm. the weather is not your friend, you, you know, you get... If it's cold out, you got to put on five sweatshirts because you're freezing, but then you start sweating because you're for the five sweatshirts. You take them off, have them on. You know, it's just a. So when I see homeless people bundled up and it's nice out, they're probably going through. Most it. likely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's return back to uh, the twelve year sentence. You accept the deal for twelve years? No, for, for seven. It was seven. He got it down to seven and is six sentenced and one year in a, um, uh, like a parolee kind of sober living, um, integrated back into society type of thing, but a year in there instead of in prison. And is, and is that what went down? You did six years yeah. and then one year in sober living. Yeah. Where was the six years at? Um, uh, federal detention center in Wisconsin. Um, this, what? Was, this what? was back when like pr- prison prof- profit prison, um, people would build prisons that weren't, uh, you know, kind of within it's prison or prison for profit. I mean, you can look it, at, uh, it's because all the jails in, uh, it's in, a system. Yeah. But in California, why didn't they, I, I'm trying to figure out why it's federal. That's why, because there's not enough federal, we have 37 state prisons, but when it becomes federal, you know, this was when they were building, uh, prisons for profit and they would ship you to Wisconsin and you know, you would all over the state. Tell me about Wisconsin. I mean, I the fuck if I know. I you know I rode on it for six hours to get on a plane, and that's all I really experienced. I couldn't see outside. Was it cold in this uh, prison? Yeah, it was fuck. It was freezing, especially uh, you know, still being. I mean, growing up in California, you know, the fucking fifty degrees is cold. <laughs> do, do they give you a nice soft, warm blanket? No, no. Every, what do you, What do you get? A sheet? Um, you get a, basically a mattress, um, and, uh, you know, a sheet on top of that and like, a, you know, kind of one of those army blanket type things. And that's it. Pretty much you get a little shower pack with a, a rubber toothbrush. It's three inches big, a little tiny toothpaste and a thing of soap. Have you seen, uh, the TV series Oz from Oh HBO? yeah. I remember back in the day. Does, does it look like Oz? Like super? Look, look like it, but the people acting, no. Not necessarily. Maybe back then, but... Let's talk about the looks of it, though. In Oz, it was two stories. I was so young. I know I've That's watched okay. Oz, but I don't remember, like, specific details. But no show is... It could... Even the, the live jail shows, those are... It's not how it's going down. I'm just trying to get... Let's just, let's just get to how it looks first. In Oz, it was two stories. It was all concrete except for glass windows. Um, thick glass windows so that the guards could see in from their watchtower, yeah. and then 
down, there was like tables that were cemented into the floor. So you couldn't pick them up and throw them at people. Is that kind of how it was set up in Wisconsin? Uh, kind of, yeah. Kind of, but not in California. In California, there's so many, like, you can't... There's a gym full of people. They don't. They couldn't put one to two people in a cell because they don't have enough cells. So in Wisconsin, though, did you yeah, have a roommate? Two, yeah, there's two people to a cell in, in Wisconsin, yeah. Do, it, were you with the same person for all six years? No. Did you get along with all the people that were your roommates? Uh, not all of them. Two of them, not really. And it's not like, you know, we were going to potentially fight. It's just like we were so close. We didn't, I didn't, like, he snored and he woke up early. Or, you know, it was like some minor shit that it's not big enough to do anything about. and Just annoying. Yeah, and it's not like they would, you can't go to the garden and be like, he snores. Like, you know. <laughs> I, did you ever get sexually harassed in there? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't get taken advantage of, but, you know, threatened with it, you know. Right. I mean. There was a gym? Because nowadays I hear no, they don't allow gyms. No, there's no gym, no weights. There's no rehabilitation in prison at all. Like, you get worse, if anything. Are there classes to help no, you? No, There's no workshops. There's none of that shit anymore. None of the shit you grew up seeing in shows. There's none of it. Did you have a job? No, they don't have. Like, the only job you have is working, um, cooking the food. I mean, you may have, like, for some people in, in prison, they have, like, uh, you could be a fireman. Um, you know, there's really not jobs like that anymore because it, there's just too many people, and it didn't work out with people from the outside working with them. So so you, you uh, woke up and... Sat in a cell for most of the time, 23 hours a day, and then in a cage for that one hour solo. Really? Did you read books? What I whatever I could get my hands on. It's not like I had a library to choose from. Like if a literal book came in, I probably would have read the Bible. Really? Yeah. You, you'd read anything that was put in front of you because you were so bored. Yep. I I see in some jails they have a little cart with books in them. Some do, some don't. I mean, it kind of depends on you know in California they can't have anything with metal in it that mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so no, they if you, you have a book, it's you somebody got it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just not really books anymore either. So what, what did you do when there's no books? And you hate the guy in your in your room? Nothing, dude. Nothing. You just you just sit and stare at the ceiling. That's why there's I mean, there's no getting there's no getting better in a situation like that. Or living in a in a gymnasium with a hundred other guys constantly. I have PTSD. I mean, for me, the drugs were the solution to my problem. Uh, which was, you know, my PTSD, my trauma. I was medicating mental pain and not physical pain. Um, if if we know of somebody in a pres in a federal prison, should we send them books? You can't. They don't even let you. No, I mean anything that can be turned into a weapon, maybe you know a paperback, but the actually getting to the the person without somebody else stealing it for themselves is very low. You can get mail, but you can't get stuff sent in. Did you uh, call your parents a lot when you were in there? Well, I mean, I didn't have a great relationship with them at that point, so uh, uh, I think maybe once a month. like mm. Not like I would if I had now. Did you have friends that you could call? Uh, no. Not that I, I... I mean, those are back in the days when you had to... Uh, you know, there, you didn't... You had to actually call somebody and, like, you know, pagers 
No, I mean, we had cell phones back at that time, but it was, you know, you weren't remembering people's number anymore. Yeah. I grew up remember having to remember somebody's number. and So you were alone and lonely. Definitely. And bored. Yeah. With uh, a lot of mental trauma that I didn't know how to process. And, uh, were yeah. there any doctors that would no, come in? No. They don't offer any kind of meditation, medication unless you, like have cancer or something but you know most of the time they'll if once you get to that point they'll they'll they release you into a little you know if you're getting to the point where you need treatment and you're gonna die like you you get let out into a specific small little you know so six years probably felt like 60 years yeah in there it's it's always you can never you can't even tell if it's day or night like it's always bright oh it's bright yeah I mean, they turn off your light in your cell, but the hallway is lit up for the guards, you know. Oh. So, and I'm one, I'm a finicky sleeper as it is, and I have trouble. Um, so. Okay, so a drug addict in a situation like this, I would think all you're doing is thinking about drugs. Did that yeah. go away after a while? It did because once once I got uh, integrated into the system, like I knew that there was drugs there, so kind of oh. plotting and scheming on what I could do to get four honey buns to get a you know uh, the stamps and food are the the currency in in jail in pr- jail prison anything you don't have physical money uh, if anything you'll go into debt so that's you so know. did you buy some drugs in wisconsin uh, well the, the fucked up thing is i learned the hard way um so i w- went there and um i had a candy bar on my bed when i first got in there um you know they they treated me you know we're looking out for you brother the white white guys and yeah. you know they're like oh hey you smoke and they so i started getting cigarettes and then i started getting drugs and all all of a sudden fucking three months later they're all you owe us two thousand dollars for oh, all this shit. shit that we've and i'm like what the fuck i never this would never agreed to pay anything and that's when they said you know this is we you know we have we, we know where you live we know where your fucking parents live Ugh. you know because these are all people from california they so got this, shit so this is another lesson yeah don't nothing is free in jail. Nothing is free in jail. Nothing is free. Nobody's your friend. Nobody's your fucking friend. You can't trust anybody. Even if they're white. Nope. Nope. Even if they have a swastika across their heart. Nope. Yeah. Not Most your of those friends. people are the the they're that's a front. You know, they're they're terrified and they want to fit in. Um, you know, tough guys don't need to fucking be like look like they're tough. They're tough and people know they're tough. So the people that look like they're tough usually aren't tough. I'm not tough. I don't you know, I can def- I'll defend myself, but I'm not a fucking tough guy. You look like you could beat somebody's ass. I mean, I could take care of myself for sure, but yeah. you know, in a situation like that, uh, you know, where there's fucking real, really tough guys that, you know, I'm not like I said, I'm not a gang member. I didn't grow up. I fought a little bit. I played sports. You know, I didn't grow up in that lifestyle, so it was yeah. like I had a kind of a good childhood, other than you know some major shit that happened to me that led me to using drugs. Mm-hmm. So I had great parents. Um, you know, normal, normal life, suburban life, pretty much. Yeah. Did you go to church? No, I never. Did you I, do, did you do okay in school? I, um, I didn't really go to school past, um, fifth grade. I mean, I went to middle school. Um, I never did a day of homework in my life. Um, I didn't pay attention. I had, I was getting meds. I was on Ritalin and, you know, so much fucking prescription meds. Cause I, I had trauma that I didn't know. My mom's like, what the, f- you're, you're messed up. And I was already on drugs from, you know, doctors as it is. They just, 
weren't, you know, they were. It's basically speed and like. So be careful giving kids drugs. Yeah, I mean, don't wait. I mean, I'm not giving any advice. You know, you know your your child, or you know somebody who needs medication. You, there's obvious signs, um, but don't enable them. You know, if your if your kid comes up to you and says, "I need money for drugs," don't give him money for drugs. If he threatens to go rob a liquor store, say, "We're not going to bail you out," and him spending that time in jail will be a lot more um, beneficial for him than you you sending him to a rehab. That ex- have you been to rehab? Uh, yeah, about fifteen times. Oh, really? What's the secret of success in rehab? Um, shit. I mean, it kind. Of, I've been to all kinds. I've been to uh, an an N A A A based one. I've been to Scientology one. Um, they have them. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's it. Was that's a whole could be a whole other fucking podcast as the, it is. The the fifteenth one though worked. No. Oh, it didn't. No. None of them worked. No. I didn't. Well, I I went in there not wanting to be sober for me. I went in there. Because I, I was a fucking mess. I was having seizures or, you know, or my parents fucking were worried about me. And, you know, I never once went into there going, I want to go to rehab. Let's talk about your year in uh, Sober House. I have known people who've been in sober living, and they have told me that people die in there, and that they uh, it's unsafe for yeah. some of the people. Definitely. Because these are people... You, well, you're in a house, and some of the people are ready to go on with quote-unquote normal life, and some yeah. aren't. And that's that's where the the phrase like drugs are the solution to people's problems. When you take the drugs away, some people are even worse. So it's everybody who's addicted to drugs has got something going on that they're medicating. A normal person that you know they won't let themselves go to. They won't snort a fucking pill that they're not supposed to snort. Where was your uh, sober living house at? Uh, uh, West Hollywood. Oh, of all places, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually a, a fucking normal place. You would never even know yeah. on the outside that there's fucking prisoners in there. That you know, we they could tell because we had the drug. We called it druggy buggy, which is the white van that picks us up to go to meetings and stuff. They mm-hmm. the neighbors knew, but like they didn't really know. Uh, how many people were in this house? Um, shit, it was like kind of a compound. So there's like I think it was twenty people at a time. And you were there for the whole year. Yeah. Anybody died during your year? Multiple people, yeah. Workers and... Uh, Workers? Yeah. I mean, most of the people that are working there are ex-addicts. Right. It takes one to know one. I mean, you can't really be in somebody's shoes and tell them what to do if you haven't fucking been there. It's like... Did you find uh, this situation helpful for you? Um. Yes, but not that situation per se. Um, I learned about uh, dogs um, in that... I learned... I mean... I knew about dogs, but I never had one. I never, you know, I didn't like myself, so I couldn't really let dogs love in. So um, I had a roommate that had a dog, um, <laughs> and he relapsed and left his dog. Um, and I just, 
you know, I was like, okay, I'll feed you, you know, whatever. Like, there's nobody that came and got the dog. So I got close to the dog. I fell in love with the dog. Uh, I let emotions out that I've never let with the dog. So, um, and then his parents came and got it three months later. Mm-hmm. So I got it taken from me. And that's, that's when uh, I was like, I need to get a dog of my own. What kind of dog was the, that one? The French Bulldog. You have any Frenchies back there? No. But that's, I mean, the original dog I wanted was a French Bulldog. I was always going to adopt. I never bought it. Um, it was, they weren't like $5,000 like they are now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was originally a French Bulldog. I went to the Long Beach shelter, looked at it. The dog didn't pay attention to me. And the dog in the cage right next door was wanted so much attention, which is eating my dog right there. And, you know... She's a staffy, but people look at her and they think, oh, it's a pit bull. And my mom had, you know, her misconceptions. And my dad's like, they have lockjaw. And like, I didn't know any of that shit. You know, they don't have lockjaw. They're just like not choosing to let go. <laughs> so it was hard because uh, at that time I didn't, I didn't have a job. I, didn't, I had to kind of do what they, I needed help. So I needed to kind of do what I needed to do. Uh, yeah. But I wanted this dog. Like eventually, <laughs> uh, you know, it was okay. And luckily Eden was the 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 fucking sweetest dog and best thing that could have ever happened to me. And that's the only reason that I, you know, I can't say for a period of years, I, I was doing pretty well. Um, and it was because of her, um, I had to take care of myself to take care of her. So, so in the past you could be reckless. You could pass out on a bus stop street, whatever, because it, it was just just you. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, at points, I was homeless. I chose to be homeless. Like, what I was doing, I couldn't maintain the whole time. So there was period, there's points when I was just as bad as the homeless people. But my point is, is that once you got eaten, you had responsibilities. Yeah. And if you didn't come home and feed the dog, the dog would die in the place, wherever you were, right? Mm-hmm. And that motivated you to, to do what? Um at least uh, tried to take care of myself, uh, which I, I... So what does trying look like? Fucking going to a doctor and getting a medication or going to an AA meeting or writing your thoughts out, like... Journaling. Yeah, anything that, you know, you thought was not beneficial, like self... I'm a self-sabotager, so, mm-hmm. you know, I have a hard time doing anything good for myself, honestly. And if I do, it's... With with a kind of cynical people call me cynical Scott, so <laughs> with this, with a cynical mindset, I mean I had a some pretty horrible shit done to me as a kid and. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let let's go back to uh, AA though, because in AA you have to. Well, I don't know. Do you believe in all the steps? Look, I mean, I'm gonna say this: whatever works for you works for you. Not everything works for everybody. Um, uh, AA with me was hard to swallow because there was so much God involved and then so much focus on not God. And like, it, it just, for somebody like me, I'm, I'm insecure. I may not look like it. I'm fucking a nine-year-old boy that got taken advantage of at the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, so I'm not confident. I'm shy. So you're not religious at all? No. And I, Do you believe in God, that there's a God uh, up there? Uh, no. Per, not a, a God. All these drug tip, trips you, you never saw, you never felt... Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that there's not something, but a god up there, a single guy? No, I don't. I don't think so. And so so that, is there a non-god version of AA no, then? I mean, there, there is, but there's so much stigma to them. Like, 
now it's a, a California sober, like where it's because AA, like California people, they're okay with you smoking weed, but like you know, it's just such a. Do you smoke weed? I do, yeah, and I, I currently does, struggle with drugs too, so it's not like. Do, does the weed help you though? Um, it helps me to make things easier. I mean, it, I can't say it helps me, but it helps me, you know, make whatever I'm going through a little bit easier to deal with. Okay. So my, I don't can't say it has medical benefits. Um, yeah. Okay. So do, do you consider AA a positive or a negative in your life? In my life, a negative. Really? And it, it's just me personally because of, you know, my mental. So AA is not it for you? Sitting in a room with people uh, is, is a, you know, makes me have anxiety. So Interesting. It's hard to let in a message or anything like that when you're kind of hyper aware. Can you do a Zoom version of it? No, no, I mean, it, it's just their whole, their whole technique, the steps and stuff just doesn't align with, um, you know, what I kind of would want out of it. The times that I was sober, I got an injection um, that blocks opioids from getting you high. So you literally can't get high. I've heard Artie Lang from the, 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 the Howard Stern show would talk about this. What's it called? Vivitrol. Vivitrol. Yeah, there's a there's a few different ones now, but this was the only one back in the time. It's Vivitrol, and it's an injection in your ass uh, like every six months, um, but it prevents you from feeling any type of euphoria from opioids. That seems like a miracle. It, I mean, it is, yeah. It, it, did it work for you? Yeah. I mean, it worked um, until I started self-sabotaging and not following up to make my appointment, mm. and then kind of, you know self-sabotaging myself to justify going back to... So we need a cute nurse to knock on your door every six months. Yeah, yeah. I, hands, I mean, for, for somebody that, that doesn't self-sabotage, it's a, it's a great fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Or like Suboxone, which is, you know, an, a daily strip that you put under your tongue that's, you know, supposed to, um, you know, this what they give you to detox from, but they also give it to you long-term because uh, if you do opioids on it, you get... You don't feel great, just right. to say the least. So now you have four dogs. Correct, yeah. Is it four times as good? Uh, yeah, I mean, at, at points, uh, I mean, all my dogs are rescues. Uh, um, I used to work at a rescue. Uh, dogs, I like dogs more than people, but um, I had two dogs, really. Um, working at a rescue, um, one of the dogs... I felt responsible for vouching somebody on Instagram that I didn't know um, because I wanted this dog to stay local so I could visit it. And I vouched for somebody I didn't know. Um, and uh, two years ago, his mom called me and said, Chain went to prison. I'm, I'm taking the dogs to the shelter. Do you want to take them? And then I, I almost adopted that dog from the rescue as it is. Um, so, I mean, I couldn't let him. So, I mean, it's not... You loved him. Yeah, I mean... So it's, it's a little stressful, too, because the one other dog that I have, she went through the worst... Dude, she had uh, fucking bullets in her, like BBs in her. Uh, she was tested positive for st- meth, steroids. She was a bait dog for fighting. So she was very reactive, and the two dogs that I have now are too hyper for her. So mm. she really can't be around them very much. So it's it's yeah it's hard for me they're both gonna have to be muzzled when i when i move in with my mom Mm. for a period of time well i'll get out of your hair you've been fantastic you are leaving northridge 
Yeah. Unwillingly, or but willingly, but unwillingly. Well, because they keep raising the rent to this beautiful house. Yeah, that, and I mean, I wouldn't leave L.A. really, but I'm, you know, going to be, my mom is more important than where I live, so just, my, my dad died last year, almost a year to this day, and she's getting older and needs a wheelchair, and oh, my, uh, my parents never gave up on me, um, although they were kind of one of the reasons, like, that I had a great childhood, but they let people in that took advantage of me, mm-hmm. um, so they felt very responsible. So they kind of enabled me to keep fucking up and, you know, go through rehab 15 times. Like, they just felt like they caused it. So now that she's older, you want to take care of her. Exactly. She deserves it. It's beautiful. I, I mean, I, I love her and, you know, she was the best. Like I said, I, I didn't have, I had a good life growing up just for a couple situations that uh, tragically affected my mental what will you miss the most of Northridge when you move out? Um, just the, the the valley kind of the stigma of like oh, I like people when they think of the valley like you you live in LA it's like I live in the valley you know just <clears throat> I mean it, it's a lot different than it was you know a while ago so I never thought that there'd be homeless people in the valley alone um, you know let alone like hipsters creeping in and you know whatever to each their own but the rent is getting raised the people are changing and you know i it's not really worth it i mean california is cool but it's fucking it's a struggle to you know keep up so maybe we'll see you in wisconsin in 10 years absolutely not wisconsin <laughs> uh i would say probably arizona or you know ah. some place like that Right. Or the mountains, not away from people in, instead of in, in a place where there's more people. Could you see yourself um, away from people, but taking care of dogs, like having Absolutely. a, that's a my, remote that's, that's dog my, shelter That's place? my goal is to, uh, you know, have a, some land and have a, a rescue. And I'm a dog trainer. That's what I do is dog training. So, but unfortunately I didn't know at the time, um, dog training is people training. So you have to train the people to train their dogs. Mm. So I'm not always great with people. Um, I kind of, uh, I have a mouth that is, doesn't really have a filter and, you know, I don't go around telling people what's wrong with them, but you know, sometimes interactions happen and yeah. Well, Scott, you've been great with me. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you being honest on our little short car ride uh, a week ago. I appreciate you being honest with my audience on this podcast. Is there anything you want to say as we wrap it up? Hmm. Well, I feel very uh, honored that you would ask me, especially kind of with the weird story I have. But no, I mean, you know, just um, life is short. Um, You know, don't enable somebody that you know to um get high um if you love them let them figure it out don't enable them get a dog adopt a dog don't buy one um just be nice is there a good place in northridge to uh adopt dogs or in the val what what Um, do you recommend in the val just there's a lot of rescues that uh, i would say are pretty good but uh you know you could go there's a there's a rescue for every breed of dog if you want a french the the dogs that are selling you can find a rescue for any breed of dog um almost anywhere especially in la you know at least in la so whatever almost any 
breed of dog or they can help you find one. So just don't buy a dog, please. There's enough. Don't breed dogs. Uh, purebred means inbred. Oh, it does. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I tell people it's like this. Would you want to go live on an island with your sister, have a kid with her, and then have a kid with that kid, and then have a kid with that kid's kid? They're like, fuck no. I'm like, well, why do you think it's so special for a dog? It's disgusting in human terms, but why, in a purebred, like, there's a reason to charge more for a dog. So, purebred means inbred. Which is why we love this bungle. What do you call, what do you call Chug. it? Chug. Chug. Yeah. Why we, we, we love this Chug? Yeah. That's one of the dogs that I took in, though, so it's, she's only been here for two years, but I'm, I'm way attached to her, but I'm trying to find, uh, I don't work at a rescue anymore, but I'm trying to find somebody that will adopt them out, so it makes my transition to my parents easier. One final question. In AA, you're supposed to say sorry to the people that you've wronged. Make amends, yes. These Vietnamese people, did you ever... Nah. Nah, because... Do you feel like you should? No. They, they were they were enabling uh, people to do it. And honestly, I don't even think they can grasp the concept of what's really going on. Like, they were part of the problem. They were part of the problem, but unlo- unknowingly, because in their culture, they didn't have drug users. They didn't... I mean, it was mostly white kids that were doing it, you know? So they didn't even realize. And if they did, I don't think they would be doing it. They just saw the massive amounts of money. So no, I don't feel like I should make amends, but there are certain people that individually that, that I have hurt and I've already made mine. And Well, and, and your mom, and now you're going to take care of her. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, action over words. Show, show it, not tell it. Well, Scott, you have told us a lot, and you have shown uh, great hospitality in this great place. I'm so sorry you're leaving. I really hope that my pictures show just how artistic this this house is. <laughs> it's 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 such an, an interesting mixture of natural things with all these plants, and this I won't call it street art, graffiti in frames. And believe it or not, it's a lot. Of, it, a lot is worth a lot of money to, to people. I mean, I couldn't go to a pawn shop and get the money, but uh, individual buyers. I bet. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that thing is probably worth like probably thousand dollars. I bet. So, th- well, Scott, God bless you. Best of luck to you in your next journey. Likewise, and thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. How great was Scott? You know who we're grateful believes in us? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's a whole mess of cash. Keep bringing us fascinating people like Scott. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinke, Ben Welsh, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, Robin Carey, Adam Shorn, Ben from Down Under, Chris from the ATX, and Gregor. To be a Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is PayPal or Venmo, 25 bucks or more, and you'll be uh, beloved. And we will list you on the Here in LA website or on the Medium blog forever. Just send your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you had a bunch of money on Boston to win the Stanley Cup? Same. You can still help. 
post your favorite episode on Facebook. Tweet something nice about us. In fact, anytime you see us tweet about an episode, just retweet it. Bloop. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in L.A. is spelled, it's on Apple Podcasts, and it's on Google, and even Spotify. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and a man who also plays in Atwater Village every Tuesday night, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen for inspiring this, and people everywhere trying to turn their lives around for the better. You can do Do it. it!